Let's pray real quick. God, thank you that we can just come to you. We can, we can speak directly to you. We don't have to go through any other ritual. We don't have to go through any other person. We can just say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for, for what you've done for us. Thank you for, for bringing us into your family and making us your children. Thank you for adopting us into this body. God, I just pray this morning that you would give me the right words to say, um, that you would give us all the right hearts to, to hear what it is that you're going to say this morning, that it would not be me trying to force anything, but that I would just step back and let you speak through me, and that the message that you would give us this morning would be, like we just sang, all that we need. Um, that you would give us the exact words that we need to hear right now, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking about this while I was singing. I don't often get to, actually, this is only the second time ever. I've, I've played the music and I'm preaching, so I didn't even try it again. Like, I even surprised myself with how good some of these songs work with some of the sermons that we're preaching. Like, I, 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 that song was just the, we're going to sing Father, You Are All We Need right before the sermon, because it's a good transition. But then when you think about it, all of those words that we're saying are the Lord's Prayer, which is, a perfect example of Jesus teaching us how to pray, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get instruction on how to pray. At CRC, we really, really, really believe in prayer. Like so much so that once a quarter, we dedicate an entire night to prayer. Uh, we've had now probably five or six prayer nights. where We just come in here, we write out prayer requests and and we grab, we grab cards and we just spread it out around this room. We turn on a little music and we just spend an hour, two hours, however long, just praying. Because we believe that God answers prayer. We believe that our prayers are an active part of God using us to bring his kingdom into creation. Right? We believe that, our, that, that, that he told us. He said, you pray and I'll act. And so we do. And we really, really uh, believe that because because it's what's helping us you know better know Jesus and better understand how we should be living how we should be spreading the gospel because we're asking him what do we need to do and we're asking him to kind of help point us in the right direction um, apparently no one in our church believes in prayer more than my dad um, who was supposed to be preaching this morning uh, and and like Jesus prayed that this cup might be passed from him unlike Jesus. That cup was passed from him. Also like Jesus, that prayer was responded to with suffering. Because he didn't want to preach. He said before, guys, I don't preach. I don't want to preach. Don't make me preach. We're like, well, I'm doing music and Daniel's going to be in Japan. And I don't know that he wants to preach from Japan. He'd have to yell really, really loud. So, so you're going to have to preach. And he was, he was willing and he kept apparently praying God there's any other way that you could let this cup pass from me and God said I can do that something like that bronchitis that'll do it you can't preach if you have bronchitis so so we're praying for him because we believe in the power of prayer we also are listening to me because apparently God saw fit to let dad not have to preach this week so here we go so we're going to talk about prayer this morning because here's the thing prayer is real and we're told all throughout scripture 
pray. Pray without ceasing. Come to me. Ask me for things. But, but what we also can realize is throughout Scripture, we are given very specific examples of how to pray. And I think those are really good templates. I don't know why we don't just say, why don't we just pray these things that we're told to pray? Kind of like we just say, why don't we just pray the Lord's Prayer more often? Because that's exactly what Jesus prescribed. He said, pray all these things. Pray for my kingdom come. My will be done. What we're going to find out is most of these things are just praying for the will of God. And if we pray for the will of God, that prayer is going to be answered because it's exactly what God wants. So we have to figure out what is it that we should be praying for. We have to ask ourselves these things. So 2 Thessalonians, we're going to start chapter 3 today. Um, and Paul is going to be asking the Thessalonians to pray. And then he himself is going to pray for them. And we're going to hopefully get a couple of ideas of some things that we can pray for. We're going to get some really specific ideas for what are the sorts of things that God would have us pray. So I'm just going to go ahead and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So we'll stop right there. So Paul has been now writing two letters to these people, trying to give them a little bit of extra instruction, because as we know, he got run out of Thessalonica really quickly, um, right after the church was established. So he kind of had a few things that they, he felt like he needed to tie off a couple of loose ends. There was some teaching that he had done, and uh, he felt like, I'm going to write them a letter to kind of fill in some of the gaps that I didn't get to fill in before I had to leave so quickly. So, so he's, as he's coming to the end of that instruction, right, because we've just spent weeks talking about community and we've spent weeks talking about uh, what, what happens to the church in the end, at the end times, after Christ is returning, what's that going to look like, how is that going to affect the church. And the last thing he's saying is, I want you to pray for us. Like, like obviously, I've sh he's been showing concern for the church, right? Paul has treated the church kind of like a father with his children, as we've been reading through this. Like, he cares for their well-being. He wants good for them. He desires that they would know Christ more and understand better and be able to be uh, uh, peaceful about what goes on in the world around them, even though it seems bad some of the time. He's trying to, you know, reassure them that, that Christ is faithful and all of these sorts of things. So he cares for them. He's concerned for them. And here he's going to ask them, now I want you to be a little concerned for me. Um, I want you to pray that our mission would be as successful wherever God may be taking us uh, in the same way that it was successful when, when we were ministering among you, right? Because before Paul got to Thessalonica, there was no church. There, was, there were no believers. There were no Christians. Paul shows up. Paul starts teaching. People get saved. That's such a drastic shift in the way that people lived in that city from before because there were no believers. There were no people who were gathering around the idea of a risen Jesus and wanting to celebrate that and were, were changing the way that they were living and changing the things that they were worshiping so much so that it was offensive to the people of that city, which is why Paul got run out. 
so quickly and so aggressively because, because there was nothing before. But Paul, so what Paul's reminding them is we were really successful when we were there among you. We came in, there was no church. We, we spent a few weeks and there was a church, a church so strong that Paul can brag on that church to the other churches in the region. And so what he says is, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. So, so the word of the Lord, again, it's just another way of saying, pray that the gospel would be effective. Pray that the message that we are taking to the churches around this area, as we keep going forward, we're taking the same message that we brought to you. Pray that that message, that gospel message, and he says, would speed ahead. That's, a, that's going to be a familiar type of metaphor for the people living in this region. Um, before, before Rome was in charge, uh, Greece was in charge. And when Greece um, took over, they, they, they Hellenized the people that they would conquer, meaning they would, they would take their language away, they would, they would introduce a new common Greek language and a new common kind of Greek culture through the whole region so that as they would take over, say, a new city or a new region, that city would quickly lose its identity and then lose its desire to kind of fight back and try to regain its freedom from Greece. Um, but with that, all of these cities that Paul is, is teaching, all these cities that Paul is, is trying to bring the gospel to, have a similar kind of Greek mindset, which means they're very familiar with things like the Olympic Games that started in Greece. They're, they're very familiar with this idea of competition, a race running ahead. You think, uh, it's in, I think, Corinthians where where Paul says, finish the race, run hard. And again, he's using a similar type of phrase, that let the gospel speed ahead, thinking that they will be familiar with the idea of running a race. Um, pray, that, pray that the gospel wouldn't fall behind the work of the evil one, right, that he mentions later on. Pray that the gospel wouldn't fall behind, but instead that the gospel would just get so much speed behind it that it would just race forward. This was going to be an idea that they were familiar with. Um, in Psalm 147, 15, um, it says that the word of God moves swiftly. Like God says something and it gets where it's going really quick. So he's saying, pray that God's word would continue to behave the way that it has. Like, like we know God's word is swift. We know, we know that the message that God wants delivered will be delivered. So he's saying, just continue to pray for that. Pray for the will of God to take place. So that's the first idea that I think he's, he's trying to get across. Is that we should, as a church, we should pray for the spread of the gospel because it's the will of God. Right? We should identify what the will of God is, and that's what we should pray for. And the first one is, and this is an easy one, right? We should just pray that the gospel would be successful. That the gospel would spread effectively. That it would, it would end up in places where it had not ever been heard before. Or being heard by people who maybe hadn't heard the gospel preached before. I mean, we're here every week getting to have conversations with all sorts of interesting people who walk up and down the street. I would venture to guess many of whom have never gotten to sit down and really have the gospel explained to them. They have kind of the cultural Christian gospel mindset they, they, they know some of the words that they can say to church folk to make them feel at ease talking to them. But not everybody around here has had the true gospel spoken to them. So we need to pray that they would hear 
the full and true gospel. Because, because that's what God left us to do, right? When Jesus left, he said, go make disciples. Take the gospel all around the world. All around the world is still here. And we're still going to see people who have never heard the real, like the meat of the gospel. They've heard the be a good person. They've heard the don't do these things. They've heard the be in church, be involved. Maybe even just come up here and take communion. But taking communion doesn't mean you're saved. In fact, you shouldn't take communion if you're not, right? Paul warns them of that. So, so, so pray, pray that the gospel would move quickly and successfully um, and he's praying specifically for his own ministry. Pray for my ministry. But at the same time, it's a good example for the church in Thessalonica and for even us. We should pray. And I think I was talking about prayer nights. We have had a prayer card every time that says pray that we would be able to successfully share the gospel with people. Not just to the point that we say it right, but that, that God, we pray that you would, you would bear fruit. You would, you would save people as we are sharing the gospel in this area. So that's always, always, always a safe prayer. So he says to pray for the message, and then he also says to pray for the messenger. So, so pray that the gospel would be effective. Well, it's like, like we were saying, the, gospel, the gospel's on the move. But also pray for Paul and the, those who were with him, Paul and Silas and Timothy. Pray that they would be effective messengers, and pray that God would see them through the difficult times, right? Verse 2, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. So what he's saying is, just because the gospel is effective, the gospel is true, and God is going to bless the gospel, and he's going he's to continue to propel it forward, he's saying, it's still going to be met with opposition, just like it was met with opposition in Thessalonica. Just like when the gospel came in here, and, and some of you heard it, not everybody heard it. And to those who don't, who don't hear the gospel and love Christ and, and have their lives changed, the gospel ought to be offensive, right? It ought to be something they don't want to hear because it's telling them everything about you is offensive to God. And only by the power of God can you be brought into his presence. And so you are wicked. You are sinful. And if you don't, if you don't relinquish control of your life to him, then in the end, there is no hope for you. That's the gospel, right? So if you don't believe that, that's offensive. You mean you're telling me that I can't do... I can't get to God this way or this way or this way or I can't be this type of person and still and still behave this way or do these things and still get to God. And he's saying no. So the gospel's offensive to those who don't have faith. So he's saying pray for us because we're going to continue to face opposition everywhere we go because not everyone is going to hear and believe the gospel. And I think he says that one more thing, that last line, for not all have faith, to kind of set up a contrast to where he goes next in verse 3. So he says, for not all have faith, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So, so he's saying, pray for the advance of the gospel. Pray for the will of God to take place. Identify the will of God. The will of God is that the gospel would be spread identify that and then once you're praying for that trust that God is going to be faithful to respond yes to those prayers right so because we are praying the will of God we should be confident that he's going to answer yes so if we're saying God save people God take your gospel further into the world 
He's not going to say no to that. That's what he wants. That's what he's told us he desires. So we should pray for the will of God and then be confident that he is faithful to answer. If we can identify exactly what the will of God is, which we can do just by reading this book more. The more we read this book, the more we realize what it is that the heart of God desires. If we understand the will of God, if the will of God is something that we are continually kind of washing ourselves in, making sure it's part of us, in our hearts, part of our lives, then when we ask him to do those things, he's going to be faithful to say yes. Whatever, whatever that may be. God, God desires reconciliation between him and the world. Pray that that would happen because that's what salvation is. It's reconciliation. That's where we got our church's name because we, we are reconciled to God by Christ. Because Christ is faithful to accomplish the things that he said he would accomplish. So we can pray confidently. So, so he's, con he's, contrasting, he's contrasting the world, the world who rejects God, the world who, who hears the message of the gospel and is offended by it. And maybe even wants to push it away or, or drive out those who are saying it. There's a lot of that going on even still in our culture right now. A lot of driving the gospel away. So, so, so the world does not have faith, but Christ is faithful. And that, that's what we should rest in. We should rest in Christ is able to see us through even those difficulties that Paul was talking about before. Because Paul had just spent, right, Paul just spent like a whole chapter here and like two whole chapters in 1 Thessalonians explaining about the, the trials and the tribulations that are going to come at the end for the church. And he's saying, it's not all going to get, it's not going to get better before Christ comes. In fact, it's probably going to keep getting worse and worse and worse before Christ comes back. That's not like an encouraging message. It's not like a happy message. He's saying, it's the truth. This is the way the world is going to continue to develop. So he's been, he's been kind of weighing them down with the weight of what's going to happen before the good of Christ's return. And he's saying, but don't worry, he's faithful. He's going to come. I think this is a good way that he can use to kind of tie off that thought. Tie off the, um, man, it's going to be bad for the church who's living among a world that doesn't love God, that doesn't desire to know God, and in fact, dislikes the message that the church is bringing. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but don't worry, because Christ is faithful. He'll see his church through. He will, he will bring them to himself in the end. So we're reminded again that Jesus is going to win the day, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. In the end, Jesus wins. Don't worry about how bad it may get in, in between because in the end, Christ is the one who's going to rule and reign over his creation. He's, he's already won. We're just waiting to get to see kind of the culmination of that, the completion of that. Christ, Christ driving away everything that is evil and, and leaving us in a perfect new creation where we get to be with him forever. And then we also see that God is always the one who is actively working. Daniel kind of talked about this idea last week. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So, so in the midst of whatever trials we may be facing, in the midst of whatever painful situations we may find ourselves in, we can be assured that God is actively working on our behalf to protect us from the evil forces that we fight against. 
That doesn't mean that we're not going to face trials and tribulations, like I said. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face opposition. It doesn't mean that we're not going to become uncomfortable. It doesn't mean we might not feel pain. It doesn't mean we might not feel sadness or sorrow or loss. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is that God is actively working to protect us against that. Like he is, he is always on our side fighting for us. He is going to build a church from us. He's going to make his church successful at taking the gospel to other places. So when we pray the will of God, sometimes it might even be praying. And I remember when we were talking about suffering, this was years ago. I don't remember when it was, I think it might have been back when we were still at Heritage. We were, we were talking about suffering and somebody prayed that, that if it takes more suffering for the church to be active in spreading the gospel, let us suffer more. I think it was Brian maybe even that prayed that. It was probably Brian. That sounds like something she would pray. But uh, yeah, I just remember hearing that and thinking, that's the truth. Because, and we can pray that, like let us suffer, because we know that ultimately he has our best interest in mind. He's going to guard us from whatever evil might try to drive us away from the church. Like, he's not going to let that happen. Once he has us, once he has us in his grip, he's not going to let us go. We don't get to, we don't get out. He really doesn't like my preaching. I'm telling you what. Or that maybe that, that would be a better way for me to take it. He just really wants to hear some good preaching. Right. So, so we, should, we should pray for the spread of the gospel because the spread of the gospel is the will of God. So we should, we should actively seek to identify what the will of God is. We should pray for it. That's point one. Point two, because it's the will of God, we should be confident that Christ is going to be faithful to say yes to those things. We shouldn't pray and then wonder if God's going to answer our that prayer. Dad said in our elder meetings a couple of different times in the past, guys, we just need to pray that God would bring more people here because every time I've prayed it, he's done so. Like I've said, God, show, bring somebody here that hasn't been here or somebody that we haven't seen in a long time. And let us, let us kind of minister to them. And the same, that very morning, a new family will show up or a family will show up that we haven't seen in a long time or a couple of guys from the VA will show up that we haven't seen in several weeks. God is faithful to answer prayers that are his will. So if we can identify his will, God, make us better carriers of the gospel at, when we go to school, when we go to work, when we go to dinner, wherever it may be. God, make us more active in sharing the gospel wherever we may be. He is faithful to answer that so we can be confident that he will do that in our lives. There are lots of things that we could ask for that he might not give us. Right? There are lots of there are lots of like wants and things that we could ask for. I always use the pool example because I think that's the most ridiculous one. Like you can ask God for a pool, but that doesn't mean God, but but that doesn't mean it's the will of God and He's going to give you a pool. Right? Sorry, you can't pray for a pool. I'm not going to give you that one. But what you can pray for is that God's will would take place in your life and that He would reveal His will to you so that you'd know what it is that He wants you to do. But I can tell you with certainty that He wants you to take the gospel wherever it is that you go. That one's 100%. He does want you to take the gospel. So pray that he would, he would be faithful to give you success in doing that. Last thing, and I've already kind of started talking about it. Because Christ is faithful, so right, we've established, pray for the will of God. Because Christ is faithful, he'll say yes. Also, because Christ is faithful, endure the difficult mission that is being the church. 
Um, I'll just go ahead and read verse 3, 4, and 5 again. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing the will, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. So, so it's not going to be easy to be the church. Right? I don't think, I, don't, I know I didn't fully understand how difficult it would be to try to be the church out on our own without any grown ups around. I say without any grown ups. We have, we have dad, he's a grown up. But, but without any grown ups, I didn't realize how difficult it is to be the church all the time in the way that we really are trying to be the church. But he's saying, we have confidence in the Lord about you. We don't have confidence. He's not saying we have confidence that you're going to be able to do this on your own. He's saying we have confidence in Jesus that he's going to do something with you. And I don't think that I think when we first started, I had a lot of I can do this. I can do this. I can do this all on my own. I maybe not. I wasn't actively saying I can do this on my own. But I think some of my actions may have shown that. Like, I think I can I can handle this whole task of 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 helping lead a church. And what he's saying is, I know you can't do this, but I have confidence that the Lord is going to be able to do this in your church, in your lives as the group, as the body of believers. So, so I, he has confidence that they will be able to accomplish the difficult things. That they're doing and will do the things that Paul commands, which he's saying, I've just been explaining, this is the will of God. Do the will of God. Be about the will of God. And I have confidence that the Lord will do that in your lives. And then he prays for them. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Because, because like we said, Naturally, we don't have faith. We don't, we don't trust Christ. We don't know the love of God. And he's saying, my prayer is that God will continue, right? This is just kind of echoing the idea that Daniel was talking about last week. God will direct your hearts to love him. God will remind you of his faithfulness, Christ's faithfulness. So we can pray that God would reveal his love to us, that we would know better his love, and that we would trust Christ's faithfulness. We don't have to become discouraged when things get difficult, right? Um, we're going to face all sorts of difficulty, right? Ask, ask, ask Carla, who's having to raise three and a half while her husband's in Japan. I bet that is difficult, right? Is that difficult? Emma? Yeah, because you miss your daddy, right? It's difficult. Being a parent is difficult. Um, sometimes being a friend or a child or a brother or a sister or all of... We are dealing with broken, fallen people wherever we go. And it is difficult to be a good employee or it's difficult to be a good friend. And what we have to realize is that we can just pray that God would remind us of Christ's faithfulness. So that when we face something that seems overwhelming, I can't handle this anymore. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I can't do it. When we get to that point, we're right where we need to be. Because that's when we can say, God, just remind me that you're faithful. Show me, show me your endurance. Show me, show, me, show me your love. Let me just know you better. 
In just a minute, we're going to sing. We sang this last week. We're going to sing One Thing Remains. Uh, and, and the chorus of that, your love never fails. It never gives up. Never runs out on me. Right? It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. What did Christ's endurance lead him to? Christ's endurance led him to torture and death. But ultimately, it was because he was able to so perfectly show and reveal to us what the love of God is like for us. That he was willing to do that for us. So no matter what the difficulty may be, no matter what the difficulty may bring by continuing to remain faithful and following and pursuing Christ, right? No matter how tough that may be, we can just pray. God, show us your love. Show us your faithfulness. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get across to the church. He's like, it's going to be tough to be the church. I'm not going to tell you the lie that says, if you love Jesus and you go to church, everything's going to be great. Because that's a lie. That's not true. But what I can tell you is, Christ is faithful, and if you endure, if you, if you see it through to the end, then you get all of those awesome things that he talked about when Christ returns. Then you get Jesus forever. Then you get no more pain, no more suffering, no more sadness, no more sorrow. You get all of those things. So it doesn't matter how tough it feels right now. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going through right now. Big, small, because to you it probably seems enormous. It doesn't matter what it seems like to anybody else. To you, whatever it is, is weighing you down and you feel like you cannot move forward with this weight hanging on your shoulders. But Christ is faithful. And it's his will that we know him better. It's his will that we know his love and his faithfulness. So we can pray for that. We can say, God, show that to us. And I think that's what Paul wants for us as the church to understand. Know and ask for the will of God. Because if you ask for the will of God, he is faithful to say yes. So we're going to pray. And we're going to ask for the will of God to take place. And know confidently that he is going to say yes to those things. So let's pray. God. We want to know you more. We want to know your love more. We want to be moved by your love more. But God, not all of us even know your love to begin with. Not all of us in here know you. So the first thing that I want to pray for is exactly what what Paul asked us to pray for. Pray. I pray that the gospel would be effective. God, speed the gospel ahead in this room right now no more time for sitting on the fence let's get in god i pray that that you would you would draw all of us closer to yourself that you would give us a desire to know your son all the more and 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 just let go of our control because we know that you are in control anyways God, I just pray that you would give us hearts that would desire to be in your word more and more so that we would know your will better and better. 
so that we would know the sorts of things that we're supposed to ask you to do because you'd be faithful to answer. God, show us the things that we should be praying for. And give us a desire to pray for those things always. God, your love is so much greater, so big. We can't even understand fully how much it is that you love us. Your love is perfect, and we, don't, we can't fully comprehend what perfect love looks like. So God, I just pray that you would, you would reveal your love to us. You would, you would give us confidence in your love. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't look to all the broken relationships that we may have had in the past times when people didn't, didn't hold up their end of the bargain. When we were hurt or broken by someone else. But that we would, we would know that your love is perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't break. It doesn't leave us wanting more. That your love is, is perfectly satisfying. And I just pray, God, that we would... Rejoice in knowing that we get you in the end. I pray that that would be enough for us, that, that our, our, our joy, we would have so much overwhelming joy just based on the fact that we get you. So God, just like Paul asked, I pray that you would speed the gospel ahead, that you would, you would make yourself known in this neighborhood and all around the world. And that you would use us. You would give us the confidence to speak at any moment of your goodness, your glory, and our inadequacy to do anything to reach you. But that we would just so be grateful for what you've done for us. God, make yourself known. Give us, give us just an overwhelming desire to praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.